On this episode of Hit the Deck, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and you're on the wrong podcast. I think it's very important that the children know that not all of life is about money, that your time is valuable. Being able to do something for something that can't do for itself, you can do something for them. And this is how you do it. Everybody has something to give. And. It's never too early to champion the red, white, and blue. The, yes, under-14 Team USA Deck Hockey Federation team, they will be competing in Finland at the 2020 World Championships. Plus, if you play video games, be careful of what you're bringing into your home. If he's anything like the real Gritty, there is a non-zero possibility of Gritty just kind of dropping down from the ceiling and shooting at one of the players with a t-shirt cannon. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 146 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And it has been another week, as you well know, if you are an avid listener or even a fan of the passage of time, it has been another week without Gary and James in your life. And I don't know how you've done it, but but here we are. Here we are, the salve to what ails you. We are back and we are more than willing to talk at you for another hour or so, or however long it takes to get this one in the can. And, uh, you know, hopefully we will all share an experience of deck hockey together. I, I don't know what that really means since we're just talking at you and you're listening, but, you know, let's try and make it as communal experience as possible. And to begin that community of hockey talk let us of course start in the traditional manner and that is with tonight's starting lineup and for tonight's starting lineup in goal as ever i am number 35 your american rhino and of course my inimitable co-host on defense number four i'm james sajazi and back with us this week it's glenn cunningham from the lagrange street hockey league commissioner and uh, defenseman number 32 and goalie number 40 Oh, Glenn, it is our sincere pleasure to have you back here on the podcast this week. Thank you for making the time to come back, and thank you for putting aside a little extra bit of uh, your your very valuable time to, to, you know, finish up, to give us some closure on what we didn't get to last week. So, uh, of course, we want to get right to that, so we won't, because <laughs> we never do, because that's that's not how we do things here on Hit the Deck, and I apologize, but we will get to you very, very, very soon, I promise you. But first, I have to take care of the usual business up here at the top of the podcast and say, James, how are you, bud? I'm doing pretty well, thank you, and that's all thanks to you because of uh, the birthday presents that you surprised me with very much, and I have a beautiful new Hit the Deck 2, beautiful new Hit the Deck caps. Which... They are they are a bit belated, I will grant you, but in my defense, I have not seen you since your birthday. That's very true. So it was a big surprise and it was definitely worth the wait, but excellent job with how you designed these caps. I love them. We'll probably put pictures of them on our, uh, our Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that to share them with people, but really cool. And I really was very surprised with the Warriors t-shirt. If you're not familiar with the movie, The Warriors, shame on you. 
but anybody who's from Coney Island or in the Brooklyn area, we all grew up with this very corny movie, but it's it's such a cult classic now. And this t-shirt you gave me is from a key scene, probably the most famous scene in the movie, where the bad guy's clinking some empty beer bottles and, and taunting the warriors. So I love it. Thank you very much for that. And the Goofy socks are just phenomenal. I think everybody knows Goofy from the Disney cartoons and stuff but the great thing about the goofy socks is it's the front of goofy on the front part of the sock and then the back of goofy on the back part of the sock too and then for added measure you threw in an awesome indiana jones pin so thank you so very much for your generosity and kindness you're welcome you're welcome indeed Uh, although the socks and the pin were not birthday presents they were souvenirs from from my sojourn to disney world that's true so much appreciated how was your week my week was uh, less eventful than, than the previous week, I will say that. As you know, you and I took in a baseball game on Friday night, which was a lot of fun, and then I took in a baseball game again on Saturday night with my father. So, you know, I, I had a non-hockey-filled weekend, but sport-filled weekend, and that was uh, that was a blast. So, you know, it, it was it was kind of tiring. I got to relax mostly on Sunday, so that was nice. And uh, it's just been, you know, work and business as usual in in the remaining, the balance of days. So uh, nothing really, really crazy to report or talk about. But, you know, I had a week. It it has been, you know, approximately seven days, give or take, depending on when you're listening to this. And I hope you did catch up on some sleep, much needed. Yes. Uh, Actually, James, I will tell you one thing that I did in the intervening week. In fact, just today, I got to watch a movie that I have been wanting to watch for a while. And uh, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about it because I know we established last week that you have not watched any movies this year. But in fact, this movie came out last year. So I thought that it might have snuck in under the radar. And that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Did you get to watch that movie, James? I actually did. Yes. Thank you. And I would like to know your opinion on it as our resident Spidey expert. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Long story short, I did find it disappointing because, again, I'm an old fart when it comes to things like comic books. So I always go for the original stories and the original comics. And the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon actually delved into that the uh, Spider-Verse, which I thought they did a really good job of that. So the movie itself, it was fun. It was great. I think that the the younger generation will enjoy it. It was funny, had its moments, some surprises too. But I'm familiar with the quote-unquote original story. But other than that, yeah, it it was really interesting and exciting. I enjoyed the artwork too. I thought that was kind of a cool style, the way it was animated. But I did not see it in 3D. Maybe um, that would have been an extra added bonus. But otherwise, it's definitely worth the watch. The very end was hysterical when they, I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but when they tipped the cap to the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon where the very famous theme song came from, I <laughs> that, speaking of goofy socks, that knocked my socks off. So that was really funny and worth the post-credit treat. A couple of things there. I have entirely lost my train of thought in just the the few seconds between when I started that sentence and, and when I got to the point where I had to continue it. Um, okay. Wow. This is embarrassing. I feel like I just got pounded into the ground by the kingpin. Okay. Um, I, I guess. Okay. I 
do remember the 90s cartoon. I remember it being incredibly well done and, and loving the show just generally from the theme song to the, the animation to the storylines, etc. I mean, right back then when I mean, this is just a little side trip here, you had the Spider-Man cartoon, the X-Men cartoon. That was right around when Batman, the animated series started. So there was that was almost a golden age of superhero cartoons, in my opinion. So I, I, I do remember that cartoon very fondly. I do not remember a Spider-Verse storyline, but in my defense, my memory is awful. So, you know, I, I trust you when you say that it was part of it. Uh, the other thing is with that final post credit scene that you were referring to, I did not have any, um, I was going to say fond, but that casts it in a bad light. I have no attachment to that Spider-Man 60s cartoon just because it's not something I've ever really watched. I'm aware of it, and I, I know the very famous theme song, but it's not something I'm really, you know, love and, and, and saw it and, and got all giddy to have seen it. But what I did appreciate is, you, you have to understand, we may have discussed this briefly on the podcast before, but growing up, in, in the 90s anyway, I had a Spider-Man 2099 poster on the wall of my room. So that post credit scene had meaning for me for completely other reasons. So it all comes full circle. They did a great job with making everybody happy. Yeah. I mean, I know this is a movie that came out like eight months ago or more, you know, eight or ten months ago. So the fact that we're only talking about it now is, you know, not exactly topical, but... <laughs> I saw it and I wanted to bring it up, especially since I had asked you about the other Spider-Man not long ago. So, you know, I, 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 I just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, sure. And I, I appreciate your take on the movie, the film, as it were. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, it's, it's worth your while. Yeah. I didn't see it in 3D either, but I can see, given the, you know, the art choices that they made in the movie, I can see how there would be appeal in that. Exactly. The, one of the things I really enjoyed was the style of the animation uh, and, and the story was great and bringing it to the modern day and having the different versions of Spider-Man, even female version, which I, I really like too, the, the Spider-Gwen. Two. Uh, yeah. And so on and so forth. So it, it, they, they, they did a really good job with it. I, I thought the actors were great. The voices sounded fantastic. And uh, overall, it was a lot of fun. You know, I'm ready to move on because we do have Glenn waiting in the wings, but there's one more thing I want to ask you about Spider-Man. And that is, um, well, it's more of an open-ended remark that I hope you will supplement than, a, than an outright question. But the, the only thing that really, not bothered me, but the, the only thing that really surprised me about that movie not being steeped in the spider mythos is the fact that the Kingpin, the character of the Kingpin, in the media in which I have seen him before, I've always seen him portrayed as kind of a, a cultured, very in control kind of highbrow figure, or at least somebody who portrays himself as that most of the time. In this movie, he was portrayed, at least in the way he spoke, as very much kind of a, a thug, you know, like a kind of a, 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 if you'll forgive the description, a Brooklyn tough. You know, somebody somebody who wasn't incredibly cultured and, and had very rough edges. So I just wonder if that's a depiction of him that's more common in things that I just haven't seen, or if that's a stylistic choice they made just for this movie. 
No, I, I think you nailed it right on the head. I couldn't agree with you more, as a matter of fact, that exactly Kingpin was kind of, I guess, with with Marvel and, and DC, Kingpin was kind of like the uh, Lex Luthor, uh, Marvel's version of Lex Luthor. And exactly, he was very polished and, and uh, never got his hands dirty, but he, he was very, he is very strong for a big man and he, and he, and he's very quick and, and it's uh, stuff like that. But I agree with you the way he's, he was speaking and he was acting. That wasn't the typical, at least not the typical Kingpin that I know of. I do admit I'm not very familiar with uh, Daredevil, which is mm-hmm. where he's really from. But to me, if it didn't happen in the Spider-Man comics, and then it just didn't happen. So I was really, Daredevil did team up with Spidey and there were some arcs where, uh, Peter Parker needed the, I forget the last name of, of Daredevil, but uh, I do know that it's Matt Murdock. Matthew, I knew it was Matthew. Thank you. Matt Murdock had to bail out Peter Parker and stuff. And so they had a whole tie in with, with Kingpin a few times. Uh, but I agree. I think that was a perfect take on that. And, and that's, again, that's the, the generation things with, with the new style. And they wanted to attract, I guess, a certain, um, audience for Spider-Verse and, and bring it up to date a little bit. So maybe that's one of the reasons that they went that way with Kingpin. You have to remember, James, that Stan Lee adored alliteration. Yes, he did. Yeah, Fantastic Four. So, uh, <laughs> Spectacular yeah, anyway. Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, I, I stand here on the lip of an abyss. I stand staring down into the yawning chasm that is the rabbit hole of Marvel uh, philosophy that I could go down. But given this is a ball hockey podcast, I don't know if I should, since we do need to move on. But I will I will just say this. It's kind of a cop out because I'm just going to throw it out and, and go. But I think there are some that might argue that Tony Stark is the Lex Luthor of the Marvel Universe. Whoa. I, I always thought he was the Batman. But OK, OK. Well, sure. There's there's that <laughs> obvious comparison, but. Anyway, listener, if you have an opinion about what I just said, assuming you care about anything we just said, please feel free to drop us a line at hitthedeck at gmail.com or tweet at us at hitthedeckpod and let us know what you think about Tony Stark vis-a-vis his Lex Luthor-ness, hypothetically. Man, you know what? I could go on about the PlayStation Spider-Man game, which I, I just started playing as well, but... I, I I can't I can't I can't keep on this isn't you know this isn't uh, you know web the bad guy podcast this is <laughs> this the, you know thwip the wall this is this is hit the deck and as such we need to move on James okay. I cannot get sucked into this vortex well you know I have a soft spot for for cool people from Queens so I'm yeah sorry. I know ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I did appreciate in the movie that when they went to see Peter Parker's home, it was labeled as somewhere in Queens. Yes. Was, was nice. <laughs> it was a nice touch. Very. But uh, moving right, on. Sorry, we're sorry. moving on. We're moving on, James. Okay. Don't get thee behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me with your, your web slinging ways there, buddy. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Um, okay. 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 Um, hockey, hockey. Yes. Glenn. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We've had Spider Glenn sitting on the line just waiting for us to continue this interview all this time. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. All right. I know how to get this thing back on the rails. I know. Okay. There's, there's one very simple and direct way to do it. 
and that is to put it on you entirely and to ask James, can you please, for the love of all things holy, can you please tell us what is on deck for this podcast? Will do. Thank you so much. Rumor spreading round that Georgia town. Mr. Glenn Cunningham of the LaGrange Street Hockey League is back to finish up his amazing interview of all the remarkable work he and his league does. Not only is Glenn an incredible representative of deck hockey, but he is also a genius. And Swansea Song. The Deck Hockey Federation held tryouts for their Team USA Under-14 squad July 20th and 21st in Swansea, Massachusetts. 79 players showed up from all around the country, but only 21 of them made the cut. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. You know, the thing about the LaGrange Street Hockey League, I hear it's fine if you got the time. <laughs> uh, and you don't even need any tin to get in. Yeah, by the way, before we jump back into uh, Glenn's interview. and thank Sorry, you for Glenn. Your, thank, yes, thank you for your patience. He was kind enough to send some pictures of his uh, amazing collection of gear. So we will definitely put those up and share them with you to see exactly what he's talking about. And he wasn't kidding. He wasn't exaggerating at all. All right. Well, then you can look out for those on our social media, and I'm sure you will be just as happy to see them as we are, and I'm sure it will help fill in the blanks, you know, kind of color in a little bit of what Glenn is talking about here when we talk to him, uh, as we no doubt will do, about, you know, his vast collection of gear and, you know, all the things that he has been able to accomplish with his league. And uh, as we alluded to, you know, one of those things has been to bring hockey and bring an interest in hockey and an exposure to hockey to the area of, you know, Georgia and Alabama and that, that whole region. Glenn, so we really do have to give you credit for being able to, you know, kind of break into the region with an interest in hockey. So, right, in, in our lifetime, Atlanta has lost two NHL teams, uh, the Flames and, and most recently the Atlanta Thrashers. So, Glenn, uh, having lost the Thrashers, which just started, what, like 2000 or, or so pretty recently, has that hurt local hockey interest even worse? Or was it just something that really didn't make a difference because people weren't really paying attention to hockey at all? Well, from what I've seen, the people here that love hockey, that like going to see the Cotton Miles, they love going up to Atlanta and watching them play up there. And if you talk to the fans, it was never a problem with the fans going to the games. They loved going. It's just that the group that had them wanted to, to sell them. Mm. Now, they'll probably tell you something different, okay? But as far as I can tell, it wasn't about the people. Now, were they packing, you know, wherever they were playing, whether it was down in Columbus or up in Atlanta, were they packing the place? I don't know. Okay. Maybe not. Right. But when the thrashers left, people were pretty upset. I mean, they had the Atlanta flames here first. Right. And then they were gone. Right. Then the thrashers came and then they were gone. Right. There's not much hope that the NHL will ever send another hockey team to Atlanta. Okay. So this thing down in Columbus is important. They have the Gwinnett gladiators, which is like a farm team for the Bruins. Right. So they've, they've got that. You've got the SEC colleges, the universities, they have their own team. So it's hockey is out there, but it's not promoted very well. Okay. So I, there are hockey fans out there, and there are people that like to play hockey. I mean, I get 
questions a couple times a month about, you know, uh, how often do we play? How do you play? And we mix runners and skaters. So I call it hybrid hockey. Okay. Because we got men and women. All right. Skaters and runners. Okay. All playing at the same time. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like very much funny. Well, first of all, to determine that you need to come and play. Okay. (laughs) But I don't really have much patience for purists. All right. If you're just not going to play because you want everybody to be wearing the same, you know, then this isn't about hockey for you. This is about something else. Because if you really loved hockey, you'd be looking for opportunities to play. Okay. It doesn't matter what you'd come to play. So we've got them mixed and it works out. You would think that there might be an advantage one over the other, but there isn't because the disadvantages are the advantages of the other. So if you try to set up a screen in front and you're in skates, well, a defenseman in his sneakers comes over and basically just pushes you out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. When you're jamming against the boards, a lot of times the runner will get the puck, Mm. but the runner can't keep up with the skater. And if he's a good stick handler, he's going right around him. Okay. You got to do a dump and chase. You see a guy go down here in the corner in sneakers and gets it. And if he's not paying attention, a skater swoops in like a hawk and just takes the puck from him. You know, so there are opportunities for both to be strong and to be weak. And it works. Also, too, speaking of promotion and expansion on LaGrangeHockey.com, it says that there's talk of expanding to Alabama. Is that what you were talking about before, too, with with the troubled youth and, and things that you were training? So talking about growing in Alabama, first of all, it's getting the people that are local to where we are to know that we've got the program. And I've had people come up from Auburn, that guy Jim I was talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. He lives in a small town over in the, on the Alabama side. So we have a lot of, let's think, I'm trying to remember how many because I haven't looked for a while. We've had like 800 or 700 followers or something on Facebook. And then we got people that are following us on Instagram. So the word's getting out there. I mean, we're thankful when we pull people from Columbus or down from Atlanta to come and play. So the expansion into Alabama is just to get people over there that like hockey and know that we've got it here. The state of Alabama actually has two professional teams. The University of Alabama has two campuses that have their own hockey club teams. Mm. So there's a lot there's a lot of hockey over in Alabama. You wouldn't think so, but there is. And LaGrange is basically on the east coast of Georgia, correct? So you're not too far off from No, LaGrange is on well, we're on the east coast, but we're on the west, west coast, side of the state. Yeah. So we're we're right up against the Alabama border and we're an hour south of Atlanta. So I mean, we're like in the deep south. Gotcha. Which really it doesn't hurt us, but it doesn't help. You know, so Yeah, we're like West Central Georgia. So, yeah, um, not only are you the founder and commissioner of LaGrange Street Hockey, but you also are a head coach and a goalie coach, correct? That's correct. Do you know or can you even estimate how many goalies do you train per year? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm open to anybody. (laughs) So, So let's see. I've been working with, well, I got Landon. I got Kirsten. I'm working with another boy over at the uh, Twin Cedars group. I had one that was worth us that is going to be playing football this year. So he's transferred over into football instead of hockey. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. It's like, I want you to play any sport. I don't want you sitting in front of the TV. I want you playing sports. So I don't care what sport you play. It don't matter to me. Hmm. I've got, let's see, one guy who now mostly plays. Uh, he's more of a forward. But when he first came, he was playing goalie. So I, I, don't, I don't know. In a, in a year's time, it's probably like four or so. And I've got some unique things, too. Like when we're talking about angles, one of the things I, I did was um, I took baling twine 
and I tied the twine of one piece to each of the four corners of the goal, okay? And then pulled those out to wherever I had the puck, all right? So that the goalie could see relationally where he was with the corners of the post in his position when he's facing the puck. Mm. So it's like, okay, get set up. So he'd, he'd stand there and he'd be facing the shot. And then I'd pull those lines out and then he could see, oh, wow, I'm like, I'm wide open on the left side or the right side. And he would adjust himself because he could see those threads like going by him. And then he knew about like where he was at. So it gave him like a 3D model of where he was standing. And that really, that really helped Landon to begin to understand like why he needed to know where his posts were and stuff. I haven't used it for a while, but yeah, it works when you're having trouble with positioning and lining up the shot and where you are in relation to where your goal is. That thing helped. Yeah. That sounds like a really effective method. I haven't heard of that being used a lot. So uh, that's another really interesting innovation that you seem to have come up with there. And it helped me too with teaching, you know, and, and trying to get them to visualize the angles and stuff. Yeah, that that's brilliant and, and really fascinating too. And also too, uh, that, that you've done so much good and, and, and promotion and teaching kids not only how to be great hockey players, but great people who will grow up to be great human beings and adults, which is amazing. But LaGrange Street Hockey has also been recognized by the mayor and the city council for uh, all of its great work as well. I had a meeting at the at City Hall to tell them what it was that we were we were doing the, the mayor asked me to come and talk about the hockey program. I've had the Optimist Club, which is one of the oldest civic clubs in the country. They have a branch here in you know, LaGrange. They asked me to do a presentation there. And I've done it for the Rotary and the Lions so that they have an idea of what it is that we're doing. And I just, this past Saturday, I've been asked to uh, join the, the VFW as an auxiliary member. And they wanted me to tell them a little bit about the hockey program. Now, when you put together uh, a hockey program for these groups, is it is it more of like a, a clinic or do you invite them down and put together a game for them to, to see it for themselves? How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> so all I've done is just invite them to, to come and see what it is that we're doing. And then if they do come, the way that we run the program with the kids anyways is that the first... 45 minutes to an hour is all drills. It's, it's, you know, puck handling, passing, stuff like weaving in and out of cones, things like that. And while the junior group is doing that with my two assistant coaches, I'm working with the goalies on the other end. And I have the senior kids with me and they're learning how to do, you know, one timers and, and that kind of stuff. When we did our toys for tots, we filled up three boxes, three and a half boxes with toys and, and stuff. And the Marine that runs the program is an older, older gentleman that's now since retired. He loved it. He loved seeing what we were doing. And we did it up big time for the kids. So we had a woman come in and sing the national anthem. We had the flag up. I mean, it was, you know, we're all lined up on the ice and, or on the floor, you know, and looking at the flag. And, oh, he loved that. But the kids did too because, you know, they'd seen it on TV. So here they were with their gear on holding their sticks, you know, and looking at the flag. And it was, it was awesome. It really was. It was pretty cool. So is that Toys for Tots event a tournament or what does that event entail? And, and how do you raise donations? So what we've done is the price to pay is a toy. Mm -hmm. You want to play, you got to bring a toy. We're not really interested in the money. We want to fill those boxes. 
the registration. And it's open to anybody. So if you show up, it's your first time, we'll get you on the floor. You just got to bring a toy. The only real tournament we did was for breast cancer. And uh, we had some of the guys come down from, from Masha to help out with that. And yeah, that one, that was money. But the pucks for paws things that we did for the, uh, the local animal shelter, the price for your child to play is like a bag of dog food or a blanket or a toy for a dog or a cat, you know? And so we were able to bring a bunch of, I think we had like 500 pounds of dog food, you know, and, and, and a bunch of chew toys and, you know, and stuff like that. I think it's very important that the children know that not all of life is about money, that your time is valuable. Okay. Being able to do something for something that can't do for itself. Okay. Like the, the dogs and the cats, you can do something for them. And this is how you do it. And, uh, you know, hockey, the first thing is that they're there to have fun, right? I want them to have fun. I love this game enough that I don't want to turn someone against it. So if they don't want to play, I don't make them play. You know, if your child has come to try it out and doesn't like, that's okay. Please have them play something that they want to play. Football, basketball, soccer, baseball. I don't, I don't care as long as they're doing something. The second thing is learning about teamwork, learning how to play together as an organized group, like telling your teammate if something goes wrong, it's okay. Pick ourselves back up, get our head back in the game. We let that go. Okay. We don't give up on each other and we don't tear one another apart. We don't start getting on each other because somebody missed a pass or someone could have stopped something and a shot went in. I don't want that. That that's not what this is about. You know, and the third thing really is about like giving back and, you know, everybody has something to give. The program is completely free for children. Their gear is completely free. Their playtime is completely free. And that comes from my growing up with a family that had no money. I would have played hockey, okay, but they couldn't afford it. I don't want some kid to, to look at that and go, I'd like to try hockey. And their parents go, but junior, we don't have the money for that. We don't have pay for ice time and we just don't so i take everything that i can out of the way if their parents don't want to bring them that's the parents choice okay i can't fix that but i can't fix the other stuff and so the stuff i can that's what i do has the charity and the service aspects and and the teaching aspects of what you do with the league have those been things that you've been doing since fairly early on or have they evolved relatively recently in the life of this league? No, it's always been something that's been there. It's always been there. When I, when I was only working with the adults, it was like, look, get off each other's backs. <laughs> I would tell them, there's only one person out here that's allowed to yell. That's me. <laughs> so if you don't like what's going on, you need to be quiet. Okay, I'll do, I'll do the yelling. All right. And, and then getting them to, you know, to show up uh, to help run these uh, the events and things like that they've just done that it doesn't have perhaps it doesn't have as big an impact on them as it does on the children with the, with the kids i mean i've had parents tell me that their son is totally different than before he started playing that their son will, will step up and get involved he'll help another student they just they're not afraid anymore you know they're put themselves out there and the other thing, too, which I really appreciate is the originality that you show, which is brilliant. And, and you put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, which is a bad pun in this case, because <laughs> the Toys for Tots, you're, 
making people come with toys and you're filling up the boxes. It's not a fee. It's something that's good and you feel good about yourself participating in that. And the Pucks for Paws is brilliant. You're bringing food and, and things that could actually help animals immediately. That is absolutely fascinating. And, and speaking of valuable time, as you mentioned before, we've kind of kept you way too long as it is. So we'll just have two more questions and then we'll let you go. But this has been an absolute thrill and, and uh, our pleasure to meet you well, and you. learn all about you and, and LaGrange. And, and one more thing I just wanted to mention, too, as you said, the uh, old glory and all that and making the kids feel like it's NHL and, and big deal. You have a lot of ties to the military, too. So we appreciate that as well. So uh, God bless you and, and your Gold Star family, too. So, you know, uh, well, we really, really appreciate it. Thanks. I, I think that part of the, the whole thing about giving back was something that even though we didn't have, my parents didn't have any money, we grew up on a farm. My parents, because of the, the size garden that we had for a house and we raised hogs and, uh, and, and cows, we were able to give, my, my parents gave away, you know, tons of, of meat and vegetables and it was like my father said you can do that you can give those things when you have those things you give those things because there's always going to be somebody with something less okay that could use it and he also said that when someone offers you something to be gracious and take it okay because even if you don't need it they need to give it to you okay Mm -hmm. and you could use it later and perhaps it might be something maybe you can't use maybe you could pass it on to somebody else okay so i'm trying to especially the way today's society is. I'm trying to give these kids to understand that, that they are valuable, not just because mommy says you're a good boy, but you're valuable because you see the value in other people and you're willing to recognize that, acknowledge it, and do something about it or towards it. We definitely need more people like you, Glenn. Um, <laughs> now, seriously, that, that, that's, that's, that's really remarkable. And, and oh, thank it's you. such a beautiful breath of fresh air. And I hope everybody knows about LaGrange hockey in the whole country and, and beyond too, but we'll try our best to spread the word about it. But before we let you go, uh, any personal highlights in your deck career that you would like to share with us? And that could include teaching kids or maybe big saves that you've made personally and games you've coached or so on and so forth. Oh, well, I guess the, the big thing for me was the first tournament that we went to up there in, uh, in Greensboro with Kevin and, and, the, and the gang. And it was our first time. We ended up in fourth place in our division, which was like we just didn't expect anything, really. And, uh, and then the team from, from Masher, which is – and we're C division. The team from Masher is an A division team, and their goalie didn't show up, and they asked me to play for them. And so – I'm like, okay, so the, <laughs> the, first, the first game, <laughs> the pucks are whizzing by me, the ball's going by, and, and I'm laughing. I'm laughing because, first of all, I can't believe I'm being able to do this. I'm like playing with guys that I, I could learn so much more from playing with them. This is amazing. And I think we got hammered. It was pretty bad. The beating was pretty bad. But then I settled down in the second game. We, we still lost. I think we lost by three. But the third game? Oh yeah, we lost one zip. Mm. It, it was like I figured out. I just I had to adjust. I, firstly, first of all, <laughs> I had difficulty focusing because I was like, "Look at how good these guys are." <laughs> I mean, it's like this is awesome. And um, and then when I could finally get myself to like settle in there, and I needed, I really did. I really needed those two games, those first two games, to help me figure out what it was I needed to do. That third one rolled around, yeah, and to lose one zip. Plus, one of our guys ended up blowing out his knee. Oh, no. So we were we were a guy short. And then you guys, I heard the podcast, 
after that because Kevin said that you were mentioning us, and so I heard it. And you, you guys had said that if you're looking for a goalie, give this guy Glenn Cunningham a call. Yeah. <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> my, my wife was laughing too. She's like, "Oh my god, they're trying to sell you off." <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, you know what? We recognize skill and and credit where it's due. So you know, you 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 got you jumped in there and you did a great job. So you deserve the credit for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun. It it really was. You know, I, I can relate a little bit to that situation when uh, a few years back we played. Um, we we brought a team. Actually, we brought two teams to uh, a tournament hosted by uh, like a bar that was uh, close to where James is, and okay. I was the goalie for one of the teams. And so you know, I played my games, but the one of the other teams in they didn't have a goalie i don't know i don't know if they didn't just bring one or didn't show up or whatever so they tapped me and they said hey you want to jump in so i said sure and i actually wound up playing against the 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 second squad from from the group that we played with and uh these guys it was similar situation to you where these guys that we were playing with were like really really good and i jumped in there i was like uh i don't want to screw this up i don't want to be the reason (laughs) these guys lose you know and I really felt the pressure. And I think for me, part of the thing that kind of let me um, relax and, and gave me a little bit of confidence was in warmups. I had one of those fluky things where the puck just kind of goes off the shaft of your stick and it looks yeah. like a great save. And, you know, it's complete luck. But, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, that's great. That's great. You're 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 locked in. It's like, OK, great. I can play with these guys. And we actually wound up beating them, I think, in overtime. So wow, uh, that's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, no, but but you know what? It's I think when you are put in that position where you're playing with people that you view as being maybe a little better than you, and and you feel like you need to elevate your game to stay with them, that's you know that's good. That's a good feeling. Obviously, it's nerve wracking, but it's also I think good for for personal growth. Yes. Absolutely. When you're playing outside of your your boundaries, like anything can happen. It's like the the world's your oyster. It's like wide open. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, you know, as far as shout outs, so I have a, a goalie. I have a goalie coach. Her name's Maria Mountain. Huh. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's an exercise physiologist that specializes in goalie training. And I use a lot of her exercises and stuff like. And I'll tell you what, boy, I am so much better because of the work that 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 she has for the goaltenders to do. And she's trained uh, a couple of NHL goaltenders, a KHL. She's done a whole bunch of people all over the country wow. and, and all over the world. Really? She's pretty awesome. Knows her stuff. So if you're looking to loosen up those hips and, uh, and be able to, to flex like you need to, to make that save. Oh yeah. She's got the, she's got the tricks. Good to know. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. And speaking of plugs as uh, Deborah Kelly does such a great job for LaGrange Hockey. Oh, she's sitting right here. Oh, cool. Yeah, please, b- before we let you go, plug away. Let us know about LaGrange Hockey, how we can contact them, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, donations, sponsorships. Well, the easiest thing is just Google LaGrange Hockey. And when you do that, everything just drops down. You, you can see the Facebook page, the Instagram stuff. I think we even have a Twitter feed, which I don't do those things. I do the... Um, so D is my wife. D takes and does all the video work, all the film, all the pictures. So everything that you see on there, it's all her, all her work. 
I can't say enough about her because she really, she shows up. First of all, everybody knows her. She's very likable. I mean, they, they're all glad when she's there. And she does such a great job. And, and I don't have to beg her to come and please take some pictures. And she puts up with my antics. I mean, seriously, if you look in my garage at the stuff I've got, oh, my God. It's it's like, it's crazy. There's so, there's so much gear in there. Spoken like a true goalie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Imelda Marcos in her shoes. I'm like that with my, with my goalie pads. Yeah, you know, God bless the people that put up with us. That's that's what I say. Yeah. Oh, and I definitely had to figure out some way to stop that stuff from stinking. So that that was for her. That's where that dryer came from. Mm-hmm. Dee will tell you that I I love hockey. She she doesn't understand how I go from like team to team, and it's the game. It's all about the game and how you play it. There's there is something that's perfect and sublime. It, it, hockey is. It's more than just a game and you can use it for so many things. That's why they're letting me go to the, uh, to twin cedars, right? When they interviewed me about starting the program there for these boys, you know, they're like, what do they get out of it? And then when I mentioned those, the three things as you know, teamwork and learning how to play and, and contributing, they're like, okay, yeah, we want you to come, you know? So people see value in that. And when you see these kids, how excited and happy they are when they, when they show up, they're coming through the door. Right. And they got all their stuff and they're running in ahead of their parents and they see their friends and they're like high five on them and they're all laughing. And I'm like, this is great. It's, this is how it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be happy. You're the real deal, man. Thank you. Well, really, this has been such a pleasure. Oh, hey, will, hey, yeah. There she is right there. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> great job. Nice to meet you. So one last thing before we say goodbye, if somebody does want to join the uh, LaGrange Street Hockey League, how would they go about doing that? Show up. Just show up. You could send me a message through the Facebook Messenger, okay, where I can tell you the times and, and all that kind of stuff. But like the adults only play on Sundays. We play Sundays one to five. We play almost every Sunday of the year. The only break we take is at Christmas and New Year's that, that week. We don't really do anything then. We also don't play on Mother's Day. No hockey player should ever be playing on Mother's Day. Okay. We just started not playing on Father's Day, too, for the, the dads that we have. And it's like I tell them, the, tell the guys, you know, appreciate these people that are putting up with you and your, you know, your desire to play hockey. Whether it's your wife or your grandmother or your mom, whatever. Okay. Make sure you say thanks. So, but pretty much we play the rest of the year, all year long. They just keep trying to bring people in. So, Oh, more show up. I love the idea that we had two new kids tonight. That was awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I ended up moving two kids out of that junior group into the senior league. They're both 15-year-olds, and they're amazing. It's kind of great to have my own, like, farm team. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with everything. Good luck with the groups. Good luck with the kids. And, you know, good luck with the gear acquisitions, really every aspect of what you do, we wish you luck with because it's all valuable and worthwhile. Thank you. Yeah, we'd like to think so. We're very proud and pleased. Maybe one day our ultimate goal of getting our own rink will happen. I think that would be pretty awesome. I do too. So yeah, in the meantime, at least you can show up to Mike Daniels Rec Center and support LaGrange Hockey. And yes, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on the website, lagrangehockey.com. And Glenn, it was an absolute pleasure. You are an excellent representation of what deck hockey and what hockey is like in general, period. We really appreciate you showing up and and sparing the time. You had a busy night tonight. So even just to uh, sit down with us 
for this time and, and share your wonderful story. So anytime you want to come on, anything you have to promote, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to bring you back on or at least plug or whatever you'd like sure. us to do. I really appreciate it. This, this was great. It was painless. And, and get to talk, whenever you get to talk about something that you love, how can you not like it? Well said. Well, thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Take care. All right, guys. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, man. We'll be rooting for you out there. So, you know, keep it, keep it, keep it strong, brother. Keep it together. Keep going. Keep doing that good work. It's God's work. And uh, we, we are so grateful to you for not only taking the time here on the podcast, but for doing it just generally. The world needs more people like you who are willing to step up and, uh, you know, not only spread the gospel of hockey, but just, you know, make sure that people are, are, are coming up the right way. So good on you, Glenn. Yeah, no doubt. That's what this podcast is all about. People like that. And uh, well said, we do need more people like Glenn and his wonderful attitude and all the good that he's doing. And, and that's wonderful how people from all around the country are helping him out, too. As he mentioned, people from New York and Chicago and so on and so forth. So spreading over to Alabama, uh, where he is in uh, on the west coast of Georgia. So I apologize for my uh, dyslexia. I did mean West Coast, but I said East Coast by accident. So sorry about that. But uh, anyway, absolutely extraordinary work. Really remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And, you know, Glenn, if you if you keep training these kids and teaching them the hockey skills that they need to be able to play the game, someday they might be good enough to be able to try out for the Team USA under 14 deck hockey team. But now I might be a mistake. <laughs> have mercy. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Have mercy. There's uh, This is tough to, to make it on this squad. So you really need to be great. They don't mess around. The Yes, under 14 Team USA Deck Hockey Federation team. They will be competing in Finland at the 2020 World Championships. So they have their hands full right now trying to get a squad together, which they have accomplished. So it was over just one weekend in Massachusetts, Swansea, to be specific. And again, kids from all over the country, from Pittsburgh, from Philadelphia and, and other places gathered there, some locals as well, and from a place that you admire too, uh, the American Rhino in Massachusetts, and only Lemonster kid. That's it. And a couple of them made it. A couple of them made it, so they really needed to earn the only 21 spots, too. Originally, I, I read that it was 22, which maybe they'll expand to get an extra player there, you'd imagine. So with uh, you, you need the extra guy, or maybe it's for a backup goalie or whatever the case is. But uh, right now that they have posted on their uh, Facebook page, which is U.S. Deck Hockey Federation you could find it on uh, on the website too, usdeckhockeyfederation.com. There's just 21 names there, but some of the locals did make it, and uh, really, it's 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 not easy. It's tough. They 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 go through a lot of tests, and they're scouted during the year, and and they I think they need to be handpicked and invited to uh, get there for that weekend of final tryouts as well. So if you're talking only out of 79 kids. And that, I'd imagine, would be whittled down from hundreds more. And then only 21 of them, 22 of them make the cut. You really need to be in tip-top shape. And exactly, that, that's what Glenn is doing, is, uh, is getting these young kids involved. And by the time they're 14, if they're good enough to make such a squad, you're doing something right. Yeah, and I mean, remember too, obviously these are young kids. And 
the people who are auditioning them to try out for this team, you know, they're not coming to you. You have to make the trip to wherever the tryouts are. You have to pay your own way and put up your own room and board. And, and, you know, so depending on where you live, you could be making quite a trek over there. So you have to make sure you're not jet lagged or, you know, you show up ready to play. So this is a real commitment just for a chance to get on this team. So you have to give credit to all these kids just for, you know, putting in that work. Yeah, very well said, American Rhino. And Eddie Costa, who was selected as the head coach, he is from the South Coast Ball Hockey Association. He had his, like, as we said before, he had his hands full, and they decided to hold the um, tryouts at a newly built rink right outside of Swansea, the Swansea YMCA. And very true, yeah, people had to pay their own way to get there because these aren't professionals, just like we said a few podcasts ago when we had... uh, Dr. Becky Dobson on and uh, her commitment and, and from her teammates and stuff for, for their Team USA. Same thing here for the under 14 for the uh, Deck Hockey Federation as well. Mm. I feel like she needs a cooler nickname like Dr. Deck, you know, or or uh, or, you know, given her aggressive nature or something, something a little more intimidating. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. I don't anticipate getting her back on the podcast anytime soon, so I probably have some time to think about it. But you did come up with a good point with the first name Becky and uh, the WWE Women's Champion. So the man that that, that was that was pretty cool. So that's a good start. Hmm. Um, I've I, I just want to say I've been a fan of Becky Lynch for a long time. Yes. But you know, well before she like really took off and and became the darling of the women's division. Like I've been a fan of her going back to NXT. So you know, I've been on that train. I could vouch for that, too. Yeah, the American Rhino, there is nothing bandwagon about him. So he's the type of guy that's always ahead of the curve, and we all have to catch up with him. So that's definitely one example there. But for these young kids under 14 that uh, did make the squad, there's a lot more work ahead of them, too. So not only that they got the uh, the spot, but they're going to have to do a lot of practices to get ready for 2020 and head out to Finland. There are five camps that they have to go through in, again, different parts of the country, with one camp being in Pittsburgh starting in August. So that's as this podcast is being recorded, it's this month. And then another in November that will take place in Philadelphia, as two examples. And James, you know, before we move too far away from the actual tryouts, I just want to point out that very much in the same spirit of service that Glenn was talking about with what he does down uh, in LaGrange, For these tryouts, it was not just the competition to make the team, as you would normally expect, but they also took the opportunity to use it to raise money to try and bring awareness and funding for a rare genetic disease called Rett's syndrome, which, I mean, I have never heard. uh, Well, I, I can't swear that I've never heard of it, but it's not something that ever stuck in my head. So, like, this is not something that gets a lot of attention. So the fact that they took the opportunity to kind of dig down and, and shine a light on this is like, you know, it, it, it's really an opportunity that they use to the fullest. Amen to that. And that's one of the things that uh, Coach Eddie Costa wants to emphasize is that he was quoted as saying, and this is a paraphrasing Coach Costa here, that uh, he said that will be a trend with the under 14 team that they want to give back to the communities that they play for and practice in 
And that's exactly right. I, I, I never heard of Rett syndrome either, but to take that opportunity among the 79 players that the coach personally invited to go to Swansea for the final breakdown and, and see who will make the cut. It's, it's really the same thing like the Olympics. Like we were always uh, fawning and deservedly so over the 1980 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very similar. It's very hard to narrow down who is better than who, or or maybe it comes down to maybe these are better teammates or something. And uh, to personally invite these people, you're, you're going to feel obligated to at least give them a fair shot. But right, to also incorporate something where they can raise some money for a, a brain disease that usually affects young girls is uh, wonderful. And hopefully that they could find a solution and, and remedy and scratch that off the list as well. But uh, they had a hardest shot competition where they broke it up into a few groups. So uh, by age level and any child or adult that was there. So obviously the parents were allowed to participate as well. Uh, every shot that you took cost you a buck. Uh, I don't know if there was a limit to how many shots you could take, but I hope that they raised quite a few dollars for this syndrome. And also, if you're interested to donate yourself, there's a website, retsyndrome.org. As the father of a young girl, I, you know, specifically appreciate the work that they're doing. And, and I'm I'm very grateful that there are people that are, you know, taking the opportunity, like I said, to to try and do this work. Yeah, it's true. One thing that we always kind of repeat ourselves on this podcast about is that deck hockey, among the very great things about the sport, is that a lot of people can use it as a fundraiser and an effective fundraiser because it's so much fun. It's not intimidating. And it's amazing how every chance these, I mean, just what we just heard Glenn talking about. I mean, that's the mentality. They are so generous, they're so caring, and they want to spread that love of hockey, like we were talking about Gordie Howe a few podcasts ago. You know, Mr. Hockey stopped to play some deck hockey with a bunch of kids. It's, I don't know, there's something beautiful about the sport of hockey. And, and I know I'm idealizing it a little bit and, and maybe romanticizing it a little bit, but when you boil it down, the facts are the facts, and, and that's just outstanding. I think, I don't know, maybe because of the way hockey is structured, that you have kind of squads like uh, you know, lines but but they 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 work specifically as a unit and i mean maybe you get the same thing in football where you have groups of of people that specifically work together but i think just there is something about hockey that has a very a, a specific focus on team just by the very nature of its sport that on relying on one another as a cohesive unit that maybe lends itself to that mentality. I don't know. I'm I'm just a I'm I'm not even an armchair philosopher. I'm on my couch. I'm a I'm a couch philosopher. That sounds just dumb. I don't know who no no wonder nobody calls themselves that. I'm a couch philosopher. I believe in sitting back and falling asleep with a bowl of chips on my I don't know. Whatever. Don't don't listen to me. Why do you listen to me? Why does anybody ever listen to me? I don't know. I can't imagine. I really, there's, there's no reason for it. Anyway, so before we wrap up, James, there's one last thing that uh, I want to, uh, you know, I want to throw out there because I, I was going to skip it, but then I dug just a little deeper and, and I found something and I said, no, there is no way that I can, I can leave this by the wayside. This is too important. This is too epic to skip. So 
for that reason, I give you, James, another quick summer edition of This Week in Gritty. This Week in Gritty. And James, so first, first the fluff, because there's two things, there's two items here worth talking about this week. First is, is not worth mentioning on its own, but since it was this week and it relates to something we talked about last week, I'll bring it up. So Gritty posted another tweet wherein he uh, posted a picture of himself. And remember that photo shoot that I was talking about last week with, you know, Gritty dressed up as Betsy Ross and Hall and Oates and, you know, the Fresh Prince and all those people. Yes, I've been trying to get those images out of my head, but yeah. Well, it seems that that photo shoot was featured in Philadelphia Magazine, which, <laughs> as an aside, I didn't know was a magazine. So Gritty tweeted a picture of himself laid out on the floor like a teenage girl, you know, on his stomach with his feet kicked up in the air and and his head kind of resting on an arm, looking at the open magazine, you know, with, with a whole bunch of magazines, a whole bunch of issues of this magazine just laid out on the the floor, open to various pages of himself, you know, in, in these get-ups, these, uh, these different pictures. So I, I can't say for sure, but it looks like this photo shoot was sponsored by them, or if it wasn't, they decided to feature it when, when he did it. So if you want high-resolution color pictures of Gritty dressed up as all your favorite Philadelphia icons, that is in this week slash month slash year. I don't know anything about this magazine's edition of Philadelphia magazine. So you can, you can run out and you can get yourself some, but, but James, that's not why we're here. That's not what, 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 what's worth talking about. That's not why we have a this week in gritty this week, James, I have big news for you. Huge. Are you sitting down? I will sit down now. Okay. I mean, I, I can, I can see what you're doing <laughs> vis-a-vis sitting and standing, but obviously the listeners can't. So I figured I'd, I'd ask, you know, for the, to, to build up the drama of the moment and, and to, anyway. So, James, Gritty is going to be in NHL 2K20. Oh, no. Yes, sir. Now, from the footage that they've released so far, the game is only in beta right now, so it hasn't been released yet, it, you know, even for, uh, like, a pre-release or an early release. It's just out for like beta testing. So some people are able to play and see it, but you know, it's not widespread release yet. But so far, all we've seen is footage of Gritty celebrating on the sidelines, like, you know, by the, by the glass. And, 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 uh, there was one bit of gameplay footage that was released of the flyers kind of, uh, driving down for a, a goal and gritty being like behind the glass right behind the goal celebrating after the goal so so far all we have seen of him is just him existing in the arena as a thing but you know it's gritty so you never know what hijinks and shenanigans he might get up to in this game yeah if i'm not mistaken i think in uh, nhl pasts of the of the game that you can play as mascots uh, I don't know if I'm getting confused with the All-Star game, but uh, yes, I, I agree with you 100%. If Gritty is 
showing up in the arena where he's supposed to. He'll probably pop up in other places and maybe he'll even be on the cover. Yeah. Hey, that's that's some that's you know, that there is a non-zero possibility of that happening. Because that's 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 prestigious. That's something that every player wants on his resume. I mean, honestly, we don't know what role Gritty is going to play in this game, but if he's anything like the real Gritty, there is a non-zero possibility of, you know, just during a game at the Wells Fargo Center, if if you're playing as the visiting team when you have the puck, of Gritty just kind of dropping down from the ceiling and shooting at one of the players with a t-shirt cannon just in the middle of play. You know, that I, I do not discount the possibility of that happening. True. Like, uh, you know, just kind of trying to drive out on a Zamboni in the middle of a play. He, uh, any, anything, anything can happen with Gritty because in a video game, there are zero consequences. So like you can expect just about anything from him in this game. Yeah. If if that's the, that's the bonus. If you win the Stanley cup as the flyers in this game, uh, the captain doesn't get the cup. Gritty does. Maybe if you, if you win the cup in the game, like if you beat your season with the Flyers, maybe Gritty becomes a playable character. <laughs> now you're talking. Can you imagine? Where Would you put him in goal or where would you put him? I wouldn't put him anywhere near my <laughs> arena, but I am not a Philadelphia fan, so I, I cannot adequately answer that question. Right, there's some good uh, breakdown, so well said. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, James. Well, I I, th- I thought that was worth mentioning, and that has been this week in gritty. This week in gritty, and that is gonna do it for another episode of Hit the Deck. Last minute remaining in the podcast. So, with that being the case, we would of course like to thank again, Glenn. Thank you so much, Glenn Cunningham, for coming on the podcast and finishing out the interview and finishing out your story and telling us everything that we need to know about the LaGrange Street Hockey League, because it is a worthwhile and valuable endeavor that you have undertaken down there, and you are really, truly doing a wonderful thing, and we want to support you any way we can. You're a good dude. Please keep up the good work. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you to Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music. And thank you to you, dear listener, for listening to this podcast. If it weren't for you, we would be nothing. We we would not be here spouting about hockey and Spider-Man and such. So, you know, that's on you. Anyway, so uh, if you would like to respond to anything that we've talked about here, be it the Kingpin or, or uh, you know, Lex Luthor or you know, anything actually valuable that Glenn was talking about vis-a-vis the uh, LaGrange Street Hockey League or, you know, anything that we talked about with Gritty. If you have an opinion on on what Gritty might be doing in 2K20, regardless, we want to hear from you. You can tweet at us at HitTheDeckPod. Deck is, of course, spelled D-E-K. You can email us at HitTheDeck at gmail.com. We are at HitTheDeck on Instagram and on Facebook. And keep an eye on our Instagram because... We might have some cool pictures for you to ogle in the near future. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe to this podcast. We are right here. You can subscribe to us on whatever pod platform you so choose. We are on, you know, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Podbean or I don't know. There's a whole bunch of them. Just whatever. Whatever you like to use, we're probably there. And if we're not there, let us know. 
because we want to be. So anyway, please do that. So you just get us every week and you don't have to go looking for it. It's but really it's 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 best for everybody. <laughs> it's in everyone's best interest if you subscribe. So I'm putting that one on YouTube. Oh, boy. Anyway, James, is there anything you'd care to add? Yes, thank you. Looking for places to play deck? Then please check out the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, the Raleigh Street Hockey League, the Bar Hockey League, the DCSH, and the DCHL. And of course, please donate to LaGrange Hockey. And thank you for listening. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, we will thank you, dear listener, to remember, as is our custom here at the end of the podcast, that whether you are teaching kids the right way to play or picking a team of the best of the best of the best, whether you are an agent of chaos that is animated or digitized, regardless of what you find yourself doing, I would always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. James, I like the poster you have on the wall of the Beatles. I love the oh. Beatles. Oh, you're like a, my best friend I haven't met yet, so I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, that just got weird. Perfect way to end it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome.